Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 2, Chapter 6, Text 12, Translation and Commentary by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. But actually, there is no commentary. Okay, we'll go through this. Dharamasya Mama Tubhyam Cha Kumaranam Bhavasya Cha Vijnanasya Cha Sattvasya Parasya Atma Parayanam Dharamasya Mama Tubhyam Cha Kumaranam bhavasya cha Vijnanasya cha sattvasya Parasyatma parayanam Dharmasya mamatubhyam cha Kumaranam bhavasya cha Mignanasya cha sattvasya Parasyatma parayanam Dharmasya of religious principles or of Yamaraj? Mama, mine. Tubhyam of yours. Cha and Kumaranam of the four Kumaras. Bhavasya, Lord Shiva. Cha and also Vijnanasya. Of transcendental knowledge. Cha also. Sattvasya of truth. Parasya of the great personality. Atma consciousness. Parayanam dependent. 
Also, the consciousness of that great personality is the abode of religious principles. Mine, yours, Lord Shiva's, and those of the four bachelors, Sanak, Sanatan, Sanandana, and Sanakumar. That consciousness is also the abode of truth and transcendental knowledge. Then texts 13 to 16, translation. Beginning from me, Brahma, down to you, and Bhava, Shiva. All the great sages who were born before you, the demigods, the demons, the nagas, the human beings, the birds, the beasts, the reptiles, etc., as well as all phenomenal manifestations of the universes, namely the planets, stars, asteroids, luminaries, lightning and thunder, along with the inhabitants of the different planetary systems, namely the Gandharvas, Apsaras, Yakshas, Rakshas, Bhutagarnas, Uragas, Pashus, Pitas, Siddhas, Vidyadharas, Charnas, and all other different varieties of, of living entities, including bir the birds, beasts, trees, and, and everything that be, all are covered by the universal form of the Lord at all times, namely past, present, and future, although he is transcendental to all of them, eternally existing in a form not exceeding nine inches. Purport. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, by his partial representation as the super soul measuring not more than nine inches, expands by his potent energy in the shape of the universal form, which includes everything manifested in different varieties of organic and inorganic materials. The manifested varieties of the universe are therefore not different from the Lord, just as golden ornaments of different shapes and forms are non-different from the original stock reserve of gold. In other words, the Lord is the supreme person who controls everything within the creation, and still he remains the supreme separate identity distinct from all manifested material creation. In the Bhagavad Gita, he is therefore said to be Yogeshwara. Everything rests on the potency of Lord Sri Krishna, and still the Lord is different from and transcendental to all such identities. In the Vedic Purusha Sukta of the Rig Mantra, this is confirmed. This philosophical truth of simultaneous oneness and difference was propounded by Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and it is known as Achintya Bheda Bheda Tattva. Brahma, Narad, and all others are simultaneously one with the Supreme Lord and different from him. We are all one with him in quality, just as the gold ornaments are one in quality with the stock gold, but the individual gold ornament is never equal in quantity with the stock gold. The stock gold is never exhausted, even if there are innumerable elements emanating from the stock, because the stock is Purnam, complete. Even if Purnam is deducted from the Purnam, still the same, still the supreme Purnam remains the same Purnam. This fact is inconceivable to our present imperfect senses. Lord Chaitanya therefore defined his theory of philosophy as achintya, inconceivable, and as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita as well as in the Bhagavatam, Lord Chaitanya's theory of Achintya Bheda Bhedatva 
is the perfect philosophy of the Absolute Truth. <clears throat> Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshur Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Nama Shrishtam Manum Api Shatiputram Atrasarupam Arupam Tasyagrajamurupurim Maturim Goshtavartim Radha Kundam Girivaramaho Radhika Madhavasham Prapto Yasya Pratita Kripaya Shri Gurum Tamnatosmi Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Ataf Parikamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavangscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadhutang Parijana Sahitam Krishna Taitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shivishakan Vitamscha Guru Vaishnava Bhagavan Tines Marane Hoi Bignabinashan Anayashi Hoi Nijavanchita Puran Hari Krishna Hari Krishna 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 Hari 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 Rama Hari Rama 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 Hari Hari may be questioned why those who have been through the Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Charitamrita and are well aware of the topmost level of, of love of God described therein in the Bhagavatam, especially in the 10th canto and throughout Chaitanya Charitamrita. Why are we coming back to these, what can be considered basic topics of the universal form? and how the Lord is interacting with his material energy. <clears throat> well, actually we'll find similar discussions, even in the 10th canto, and even after the 10th canto. In the 11th canto, a lot of philosophical discussion. It, it, it never ends, the philosophical discussion. The, it doesn't come to a point when there's Leela only. That we'll find in later works, which are derived from the Bhagavatam. I'm especially thinking about those uh, works which are based on Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes, Govinda Leela Amrita, <coughs> Krishna Bhavan Amrita. <coughs> <coughs> In Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, also it's based on Bhagavatam, examining all the rasas and the way to come up to them. And after a little introduction about the supremacy of bhakti over other processes, uh, and then how to attain the platform of bhakti, <clears throat> then... Uh, it goes on to discuss Bhakti Ras. And there's not, not much philosophy in there. The, the, the whole philosophy of Rasa is not got into in detail. Rather, it's a description of it, uh, of what the Rasas are. So, why are we coming back to this? And why is there so much philosophy in Bhagavatam? Well, it's all intertwined. There is 
in the beginning starts off the very first verse is philosophical exposition of the nature of the personality of Godhead. And we, we, yes, we'll find that throughout. Just like even, there are so many prayers in Bhagavatam. There are, I think, more than 30 prayers, series of prayers, 33, is it? And they're all philosophical. <clears throat> and even other sections are also. Even sometimes we find Hiranyakashipu and Kangsa speaking in philosophy, which is not wrong. Now what happens, where it's not like a systematic course of study in as much as you learn one thing and then you go on to the next thing. In mathematics you learn arithmetic. When you've got that, you can go on to algebra, then geometry, trigonometry, calculus, and so many other things, statistics. But you have to go step by step. Once you've got one stage, it's expected you understand it, and then you just keep on going up and up. But here we're dealing with topics of the personality of Godhead, who is unlimited, and any verse of Bhagavatam, being non-different from Krishna, is unlimited. So, we learn what we can say the more basic things. Then we go up a bit. And then we come back and look back at what was there before. And we've, what we learned, we found by going up and learning some more, then we, with that understanding and realization, we understand more about it about what we already learned. So the, the learning process is never over until we enter into the Leela. And then it's just bliss. Then it's just experiencing it. But Bhagavatam is bliss. We find Srila Prabhupada very happily discussed topics of Bhagavatam. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu discussed topics of Bhagavatam very happily with his devotees. Uh, <clears throat> what's being described here is uh, basic understanding in this purport of achinta bheda bheda tattva. Bheda bhed, difference and non-difference. We can understand, there are many examples, it's like the sun and the sunshine are different and non-different. At least in English, we can say the sun is within the room. And we understand that means the sunshine. Uh, it's not different from the sun because it's dependent on the sun. But at the same time, it's not the sun globe directly or the sun god. It's a manifestation of the sun. So in the same way, everything is different from and the same as the personality of Godhead. But it's achintya, inconceivably the same and different. <clears throat> Actually, even that the, the, the sunlight is coming from the sun globe so far away, that to our small minds, with, with limited experience, 
that's also in, inconceivable for us. Although we we just we conceive it, we take it for granted. But if you think about it, how light can reach from such a long way, and how heat can reach from such a long way, and even the uh, heat, the temperature goes up and down. Actually, if we, if we look at anything in material nature with a sense of wonder, then everything is wonderful, miraculous. There are miracles every day at every moment. We, we know the skeptics are all fools. Uh, they don't believe in miracles. I say skeptics are fools because you can't actually be a skeptic. If you're a skeptic, you sh a real skeptic should be skeptical about everything. Then he should be skeptical about being skeptical also. And then you, then you should be skeptical about being skeptical about being skeptical. And you get into an inf infinite regress. He's not skeptical when he comes to eat his meal. He doesn't do chemical analysis to see if it's poisoned. He just eats it. <coughs> So he's not skeptical about it. If he's skeptical, he should be skeptical about science also. So it's 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 not pure skepticism. It's just biased atheism. That's all. Or biased materialism. Otherwise, for someone who's a little enlightened. Everything is evidence of God. The, the atheists say there's no evidence. Yeah, everything is evidence. But for the atheists, they can't find any evidence anywhere. And, and the devotees find evidence everywhere. <laughs> the whole world is how, is... how is it running on? They have so many... To, there was a big bang and everything settled into place. And here we are, folks. Anthropic principle. Uh, <clears throat> but then what about fine-tuning? That's a problem, isn't it? Well, it, it's highly unlikely It's that everything, even if you... First of all, they have to accept that life came from chemicals, which they have no evidence of whatsoever. But and they say that certain conditions are suitable for life arising from chemicals. Okay, if we accept that, and even then, the life as we know it on this planet, <coughs> for it to have come about, there are so many conditions necessary that it's practically impossible. That, that uh, fine-tuning, constants, so we get we get practically it's it's impossible. You'd need. Trillions to no trillions is nothing. Yeah. Ten to the power of ten to the power of a number, which if you wrote it, it would stretch out to the moon. Ten to the power of that is the possibility of life. In other words, it's just absolutely fantastic number. Then they say, then they say that well, there could be an unlimited number of universes, and we just happen to luck out in this one. 
But wait a minute, what happened to the Big Bang? That's a singularity, right? It's just singularity means it only, it's unique. It only happens once. But in it, they're all universes bang, bang, banging like a bunch of fireworks on Diwali. And, but, but how does the bang come up? We don't know how it comes about. We don't know why. We don't know what was before that. There was nothing before it. So it's a miracle. Uh, <coughs> sorry, didn't mean to say that. Uh, but it's a scientific miracle. It's not God. In fact, when Big Bang Theory first started to be accepted, many scientists rejected it because they thought, well, then they'll say it's God who did it. It's a miracle. Because it, couldn't, it can't happen. It's just, there's nothing, and then, and everything settles into place. So some scientists rejected it because they thought, now the, now the theists will use it to, to argue that there's God. And one of the first prominent people in the world to endorse it was the Pope at that time. He thought it was great. <laughs> anyway, there are so many speculations. And there may be, and the speculations will go on. And there's nothing new. The how this universe exists has been speculated about by so many philosophers. We find in the uh, Vedic culture there are so many speculations. By Sankhya philosophy, by atomism, Srila Prabhupada sometimes calls that, Karnad's uh, idea that, well, everything is just atoms. But here we have in Bhagavatam uh, a description, and Srila Prabhupada, a description of the universe and how it, it is all dependent on the Supreme Lord and non different from Him. This chapter is called Purusha Sukta Confirmed. Purusha Sukta is an important Vedic hymn, important in as much as it is widely chanted in any uh, Vedic function. Purusha Sukta will be chanted generally will be chanted. Did you learn that? Did you get taught that? You were taught that. Anything else? Vishnu Sahasranama. Yeah. See, in traditional Brahmin families in India, they still teach these things. <coughs> so it's quite mysterious. It seems quite mysterious what it means. There's the Purush, who's lying down as if unconscious, and then all the different demigods enter into him, but he doesn't come to life. But, ah, and then we have prana in the next verse. Then ultimately, the, the prana is, means life, and then he comes into being, and, and is offered as a sacrifice. So it's quite mysterious, but this chapter endorses that. In, in other words, it's showing the link between Bhagavatam 
and the Vedas. Bhagavatam is the ripened fruit of the desire tree of the Vedas. And this is this chapter is linking the, uh, that Purusha Sukta uh, of the Vedas with Bhagavatam. And actually if we go through Bhagavatam, there are so, so many things. We can trace, uh, well, many verses, they, they, they uh, speak the same philosophy as Sankhya or their, their Upanishadic. In, in the Vedas, in the Upanishads, the example of the rope and the snake, we'll find that several times in Bhagavatam. So it's it's a complete Vedic education, the rope and the snake. The example is that illusion is like seeing a rope in the twilight and mistaking it to be a snake, which is quite possible in the rural areas of India because one should always be alert for snakes, just like in the cities in America. You should always be alert for vehicles when you're crossing roads. Danger is there. You have to be alert. So in the Indian villages, you should always be alert. There's poisonous snakes. And at twilight, you might see a rope sometimes sometimes if a, if a rope is just thrown on the road then it may it'll come in a how do you call that a curling form hmm squiggle squiggly form squiggly form yeah just like a snake if a snake is crawling it, it it's not that the whole body just goes straight it's not like a millipede, but it has to go along the ground like like this. So, or it may be that someone has tied up or put the rope neatly in a in a spiral. What's the word for that? Kundal is the Sanskrit word. What's the word in English? Don't know. Coil. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and that also looked because especially the cobras they they sit like that. So you might see it and become afraid. Oh, it's a snake! But then you realize it's a rope. So that's a standard example, common example, of illusion given in the Upanishads. And another one is given uh, seeing the shell of the oyster and thinking it's gold but it's not you'll find these in Bhagavatam also these are standard examples Mayavadi uses this example of the rope and the snake but it really exposes their philosophy as being useless when they use it it's a it's a it's a it is a bona fide analogy, but they say the whole world, everything is illusion. 
except Brahman. Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya. The transcendence is real and the world that we see all around us is false. So what do you see? It's all an illusion. It's all an illusion, right? It's just like a rope and a snake. But the illusion is in seeing this, mistaking the rope to be a snake, but there is a real rope there. So in the same way, we mistake this material world to be a place for our enjoyment, but there is something there. We can't say there's nothing there. And then the the later, actually Shankara didn't give this, but his later followers gave the idea of three levels of reality. Paramartik Satya means the really real thing, Brahman. Vyavaharik Satya, the practical reality that we see all around us. It's not really real, but we practically it's real. Because after all, even the Mayavadi has to eat his rice and dal. So if he says it's all illusion, then he'll starve. So he has to be realistic. And then they say there's pratibhashik satya, which means things seen in dreams or imagined, which aren't they're a different level of reality. Actually, we say something similar. <clears throat> uh, that this, this world is real in one sense and unreal in another. But we don't, we don't say that it's by nature unreal. This is how Madhvacharya, he figuratively punched the Mayavadis in the face by saying, no, it's not unreal. It's not unreal. It is real. This material world is real. And Srila Prabhupada gave that example. And actually, the all the examples given by Srila Prabhupada, they're all from the previous Acharyas. Or he may use some, some from his own experience also. Just like he's... Ah, uh, just like he gave an example, flying in the sky. You have to, ultimately, you have to fly your own plane. <clears throat> or when you go up in the plane, you don't see how you're going up, but you're, you're going up. You don't notice. So in the same way we're chanting Hare Krishna, we're going up, but we may not notice how high we're going. So Madhvacharya is very strong that this world is real. Don't say it's unreal. Ah, yes, Prabhupada, he said that God is real. How can his creation be unreal? <clears throat> Even, uh, you may, it's not very nice, maybe, but you can't say it's unreal. Just like if someone, if the most beautiful woman in the world passes stool, well, not if. If she doesn't, she'll be in trouble, but... But uh, it's not the most beautiful part of her. It's not the part that gets put on the front page of a fashion magazine. But you can't say it's unreal. It's undesirable. But it's not unreal. So in the same way, and, and God passes stool also. That's a great revelation of the Bhagavatam. 
We find in the tenth canto, he passes urine and stool. How about that? <laughs> the science of Godhead. We find in the fifth canto also, Rishabdev's stool was fragrant. It, would, it, it made the whole forest fragrant. Uh, Sahyadri, he, he was wandering in the forests. Sahyad, that's southwest India nowadays. That might have been, uh, let's see, that. The, hmm? Yeah, it begins in Maharashtra and goes all the way down to Kerala, if you start from the northern side. Maybe it gets up as far as Gujarat even, maybe. <clears throat> and then just west of that is Parashuram Kshetra, from Gokarna to Kanyakumari. <clears throat> So it's not unreal. These things are to be understood. Otherwise, what happens is that, according to Mayavad, this whole material world is unreal. And according to them also, then Maya and Ishvara, they also recognize Ishvara, but they take Ishvara, God, to also be unreal. Well, it's the same. It's 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 not the according to them, Ishvara is not paramartic satya. Brahman is without f name, form, qualities, pastimes. So when Ishvara appears in this world, they also worship him, and Ishvara they take mainly to be Shiva. They worship him, but ultimately they take us unreal. Because Shiva also has name, form, qualities, activities. <clears throat> and they say, Shivoham, I am Shiva. No, they're not. But they say like that. Yeah, th then what happens is that when they hear the pastimes of Krishna, they think that's also a manifestation of Maya. Because it's something happening. And in Brahman, nothing happens, according to them. There's, there's no activities. There's, there's nothing to do. It's, it's oneness. Just <clears throat> Oneness means there's Kevaladvaita. Sometimes Shankara's philosophy is called Kevaladvaita, only oneness. And later Ramanuja gave Vishishtadvaita. Yes, oneness, but there's qualified oneness. There oneness in one sense, but manyness in another sense. So it's a big discussion. And it goes on and on and on between the Mayavadis and the devotees. <clears throat> as far as the Bhagavatam is concerned, <clears throat> Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. If one adopts the Mayavad understanding, then one 
becomes an offender to Krishna because he denies the personality of Krishna. He denies the form of Krishna, the pastimes of Krishna, and thinks himself on a better level. If he thinks, I am, I am self-realized. Hmm. So Bhagavatam is to be understood through devotees. Otherwise, there, we'll find words like Kaivalya in Bhagavatam many times. But that's to be understood from the Vaishnava perspective because Kaivalya, oneness, uh, that is given in Bhagavatam before Shankara came and interpreted it to mean uh, unqualified oneness. The term was there, but later Shankara overemphasized this term. We'll find many statements in Bhagavatam which could be understood in an impersonal way. But if we take the overall the message, it's very clearly personal. Krishna is the supreme transcendental factor, beyond the time factor, beyond the material energy. Purushang prakrite param. He is the person who is beyond the material energy. It means he's not in Maya. Etadishanamishasya prakriti stopitad gunai nayudjate sadatmastaya yatabudhis tadashraya. He is as he is. He's not affected by this material energy. So we should read, study, try to understand, and then read again, study, try to understand, and then read <laughs> and go on. Pivata Bhagavatam Rasamalayam, up to the last moment of our life, we should drink the nectar of Srimad Bhagavatam or Alayam can also be taken to mean up to the point of liberation and then by Krishna's mercy we can become one with the Bhagavatam what means we can enter into the pastimes But the Bhagavatam, even even if one enters into Krishna Lila, it's so relishable to study Bhagavatam that even Krishna himself comes as a devotee and relishes that. He hears Bhagavatam. Daily when Mahaprabhu was living in Puri, he would hear from Gadadha Pandit. Gadadha Pandit would recite Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would listen. Hare Krishna.
Anything? Question, comment, protest, challenge? Guru Maharaj, the Mayavadis say that Jagat is Mithya, everything that we are seeing is Mithya. We see with these material eyes, which is also made of matter. So, the seeing is illusion, what is being seen is illusion, yet the then illusion times illusion means real. Is it? It's just like multiplying two negatives. You should get a positive. If something is illusion, but you're an illusion that it's an illusion, then it's not an illusion. How about that? You see something as an illusion, but you're in, you are in an illusion about it being an illusion. Means it's not an illusion. <laughs> you see, it's you see some water in the desert, and you think it's a mirage, but it's not. It's actual water. It's not that every time you see water in the desert that it's a mirage. So, so what was the question? The question is, if everything is, how is it that without some level of perception you cannot know anything? So if everything you're seeing is illusion and, and you're, the seeing is also illusion because this is matter, the body is matter, and it was, how do you come out of illusion? You can never come, because everything is illusion. Well, if I take the position of a Mayavadi, I'm defeated. But that was the question that Parikshit Maharaj asked, similar question, which gave rise to the chapter, long, highly philosophical chapter, The Prayers of the Personified Vedas. <clears throat> We're in the world of illusion, so everything is illusion, so how can we understand Brahman, which is beyond illusion? And if you take the gist of that highly complex philosophical discussion in the Prayers of the Personified Vedas, the essence of it is that by the mercy of God, we can understand it. Hare Krishna. Yeah, and one more question there. Guru Maharaj, you uh, were briefly speaking about like bogus. But but one theories. thing is, uh, there's a bit. We are by nature spiritual beings. Mm. So everything in this world is illusion, but underneath that, the coverings of our consciousness, there is this spirit soul, and Krishna can inspire that spirit soul to understand things as they actually are. That we were reading in the prayers of the uh, Shukadev Goswami. What is that? Uh, I forgot it. Anyway, go on. Gumaraj, you were talking briefly about bogus scientific theories, about uh, singularity contradicts multiverse theory. Um, well, I'm sure they thought about that and came up with something. I was looking up, what, what's their argument against fine-tuning? It's a post-dated check. We'll, 
there must be some scientific explanation for it, but we didn't find it yet. One is the multiverse, but really, I mean, you've got to have a lot of universes. <laughs> a lot. Otherwise, they say, well, we, we'll, we'll come up with something. Yeah. Um, and then they, they say the Big Bang all came from one point, and then it's gradually expanded. There was no point. There was nothing. And then all of a sudden, out in nothing, all the mass and energy of the universe highly concentrated, which is impossible. And then it exploded. And within a f tiny fraction of a second, all the laws of the universe came into being, along with all the ingredients for the universe. Yeah. Well, what would you respond, Maharaj, if, if somebody were to say, well, the universe is ever-expanding, the universe never didn't exist, but it's, all, it's always expanded, it's always... Expanding and contracting, the big bounce theory. Big bounce theory. <laughs> there is something like that, that it goes on expanding and expanding and expanding, and then it all <laughs> comes together again. Then it explodes again. That's another one. The big bounce. And there's solid state theory which is thrown out altogether. That is just here all the time. There's no beginning. But because it's seen, or they think they see, that the universe is expanding, that doesn't... The solid state theory is uh, thrown out. So, um, I recently saw something that came out. The big bounce, by the way, is the name of a scientific theory. I didn't just make it up. <laughs> They're actually now discovering that a lot of the like the ancient, even Egyptians and all that, you'd sound vibration to do all these, you know to maneuver stones. And Who's discovering that the, the Egyptians... Uh, 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 no bona fide scientist will agree with anything like that. If you find something out which doesn't fit with their ideas, then you be, and if you stick to it, then you become an unbona fide scientist. This is how science works. It's like they have that book, Forbidden Archaeology. Why is it forbidden? Because it... If it doesn't fit with our theory, then it can't be true. That's not science. Why don't they seriously investigate the phenomena of reincarnation, telepathy, clairvoyance? There's so many things. Ghosts, yeah. Why don't they investigate? There's plenty of anecdotal evidence for centuries, but it's not scientific. What does that mean, it's not scientific? 
It means it doesn't fit with their materialistic, atheistic worldview, which means they're not real scientists. Hare Krishna, Vanchar Kalpa Tarubhyas Chakri Pa Sindhu Bhyavaja Padita Nam Pavane Bhyavaja